and welcome to Inspiring Women Leaders, the podcast about leadership by women only, from which everyone can learn. Inspiring Women Leaders aims to showcase the extensive leadership knowledge and practical skills of its incredible guests, and to both inspire and educate its listeners, helping them acquire the know-how necessary to become better leaders themselves. Without further ado, I'd now like to welcome my guest. So please, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of Inspiring Women Leaders. Hello and welcome to another episode of Inspiring Women Leaders. Today, I'm extremely excited to welcome to the show Megumi Mickey. Megumi is an author, speaker and consultant in leadership, culture and diversity and inclusion with a background in strategy, economics and finance. She supported a diverse range of clients, including government agencies, nonprofits and multinational corporations, and speaks at a range of conferences. Megumi challenges the status quo in leadership to unlock hidden talent and collective potential. She's best known for her brilliant book, Quietly Powerful, How Your Quiet Nature is Your Hidden Leadership Strength, which challenges conventional assumptions about what it takes to be a successful leader. The book received the Australian Career Book Award for 2020, from RSA Oceaneer and Best Leadership Book of 2020 from the Australian Business Book Awards. Drawing on her personal experiences and working with leaders from diverse backgrounds and industries, Megumi offers a fresh perspective on the qualities that enable quiet individuals to be effective and impactful leaders. In addition, Megumi advocates for a more expanded and diverse approach to leadership that values quieter, understated approaches, whether you're naturally quiet or not. So without further ado, let's meet Megumi Miki. Welcome to the show, Megumi. Thank you so very, very much. Honestly, this is such an honour for me um, for agreeing to come on and speak to the show's audience. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me. It's a delight to be here. No, it's my my absolute pleasure. Um, I'm, I'm so grateful. Um, okay, well, let's let's start with um, in in your own words. Then, um, please, you tell the audience a bit more about yourself, your 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 background, uh, what your current roles are, and what leadership positions you you've held in the past. Please. Sure. So I currently am an independent consultant, speaker, and author. And as you introduced me, uh, I've written a couple of books and uh, I do speaking and I do consulting with organizations. I love my work doing leadership and organizational culture work, but I really fell into the work actually. Mm. So um, you said in the introduction, my original background is in economics, finance and strategy. So I studied economics and uh, I didn't know what I was going to do as a a university graduate or even going into university. So that's all I did. And um, went into strategy consulting to begin with. So that was my the beginning of my career. And uh, I just stumbled into leadership and culture because I happened to join an organisation after consulting where they were going through a major cultural transformation program and I fell in love with the work. Um, and, and this was really interesting because I was a complete cynic <laughs> going into <laughs> the program. I was sitting at the back with my arms crossed and and then by the end of it was a three-day offsite. And by the end of the three days, I was like, what was I missing? 
<laughs> so I um I just was blown away and I just said I to myself I really want to be involved in something like this. Yeah. And I was so fortunate that the organization soon after invited some internal people to join the program and as a a team member and a facilitator and I put my hand up and I still pinched myself I don't know why they chose me but they did. Uh-huh. And that's where I learned a lot about leadership and culture and and this was um year 2000 so yeah a while ago now yeah and so so yes I've been doing that and in terms of leadership roles um I I I spent some time uh, leading teams and things in my consulting role um Mm. but probably more my leadership roles has been in not so much a positional uh, leader but it's more in the facilitation and coaching you know obviously in facilitation you have to lead a whole group sometimes very big groups sometimes smaller yeah. groups so that's probably some of my um leadership not in a traditional leadership position mm. um and then more and more so now uh with the book and and this work yeah. on quietly powerful i i suppose i try and lead the idea yeah. and and try and introduce it to people and uh, I guess my work is very much about influencing because I think organizations are still very much even if they say they would like different styles and different types of leaders they're still quite stuck in the way of a traditional leader where it's very much about uh, I think at the essence of it it's an alpha male style even if it's for a woman yeah Yeah, so Yeah, so that's probably yeah. where I, I try and influence and, and lead the conversations. Yeah, thank you so much for that. Um, that's that's wonderful. I I very much um, consider you to be uh, a thought leader in that as uh, being one of your leadership roles. Um, I I was introduced to your book, um, quietly powerful by a a, a mutual LinkedIn connection. Um, Sophie Bretag, who's uh, also works in the kind kindness space, um, like I do, and she's also based in Australia, like yourself. And uh, I, you know, <laughs> I thank her every day for posting that uh, that sort of um, snippet of your of your book uh, uh, that you know brought me um, to your door, essentially knocking on your door, um, metaphorically saying, "Well, I've seen <laughs> this. Please, please come on my show." Um, and um, you know very much uh you're you know trying to influence the um the the culture um in organizations um through your work so how did your book come to fruition as well because that really yeah. is your leadership tool in in a, in a way i think yeah yeah so i suppose i was working in the leadership and culture field for quite some time already but i i there's a couple of reasons why i really thought about this idea as an important one one was personal one was professional so personally i'm a quieter person i have a japanese background um and even as a young japanese person i was uh you know you have a if you think about japanese people you typically think that they're generally polite and quieter and and things but even amongst that i was one of the quieter kids um, to the extent that my mother often used to speak on my behalf when i got asked the question so you know i would just sit sit quietly and um i suppose in in japan particularly when you're young that's not seen as a, a necessarily a bad thing anyway. There's actually a yeah. word 
that says otonashi, which means it's adult-like or it's mature. So uh, it's actually not a bad thing. And uh, well, I never thought of it as a bad thing necessarily. Yeah. Um, but then when I went into the workplace and I, I started work in Australia and, of course, in a Western culture, you do need to speak up and you need to be seen yeah. and things like that. And, and it was quite stressful and exhausting for me and uh, particularly in the consulting world, you know, I was working for one of the big consulting firms and you have to look confident and walk in with your your um, red jacket and heels and, you know, look like <laughs> the past. God, that was exhausting for yeah. me because it, it so I didn't feel like my myself and I had to put yeah. on this face. So, so that right. was my personal path and I felt like, you know, that's exhausting and I know lots of people who feel the same. Yeah. And as I've been doing this work, I've come across so many people saying, oh, that's so exhausting. Yeah. Um, so that's my personal reason. Uh, but then the the professional reason is because I've been working in leadership and culture for so long, mm. uh, I, I encountered so many leaders and organisations with leaders who are typically the louder ones, typically very outspoken, often dominating, and take over the whole space such that others have no space to join, whether it's in a conversation or even just running a project that they take over rather than allowing and empowering others to, to contribute their best. And yeah. I just thought there must be a different way. And I encountered other leaders who were quite different where they created space for others to shine. And yeah. uh, one of my bosses were was like that. And I really enjoyed working with him. And I enjoyed working with a few others. And I thought, surely we've got to be talking about this kind of leadership, which is which feels different. And I felt I contributed much better than when I was working for a more dominant leader. So, yeah. so from a professional standpoint, I thought we, we need more of these leaders in the world. And that was the, uh, was that the motivation then for you to, to write the book? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So there were two, those two things, the personal reason, professional reason. Yeah. And um, what I also enjoyed as part of really thinking about this idea was I went off and interviewed probably 40 plus leaders who were of that nature, a bit quieter and understated and, and very humble, actually, um, to the extent one of them actually didn't want to be uh, recorded or anything like that. <laughs> and, mm, uh, but yeah. he said, he's happy to speak to me, but don't include me. So, you know, he's there, that was one out of um, 40. So yeah. Others were quite happy to share, but they all showed a lot of humility and it was just wonderful to meet them and hear about their journey. And, yeah. and I really wanted to showcase that to say, well, these leaders, uh, they do exist. Yeah. We need more of them. And yeah. I do believe in this world of complexity and uncertainty, we, we actually need more of those leaders. Yeah. So so that's what really motivated yeah. me to put it in writing and, and share it more broadly. Yeah that's that's so wonderful and you know thank thank goodness you you did you know so many people are identifying with your um concept um and you know you're giving a voice to to those people i think um through your work so um i i really appreciate you i mean i um you know i've worked with uh a lot of physicians um and you know i've heard when i'm when i'm coaching some of them you know uh, female physicians uh, male mm. physicians of color that mm. they'll have been asked to join these committees and things and um they their voices aren't heard it's almost like mm. it's like a tokenistic appointment you know it's mm. just the 
you know the the the, the middle aged white male chair of the committee who basically runs things and then there's a, a couple of people who are just you know shout the loudest and yeah. you know just want want to everyone to hear everything they have to say and mm -hmm. then other people are overlooked and it may you know mm -hmm. i'm sure you'll be able to tell us about this but it some of it i'm sure is to do with the, the gender as well um as mm -hmm. a as well as their personality mm -hmm. um and some to do with their ethnicity and so on and mm -hmm. uh you know feeling you know kind of disempowered in those in those situations yeah. Yeah, um you actually bring up a really good point um because often people think of my work as being about introversion and mm -hmm. uh you might have come across the books uh quiet by susan kane which is very famous and a lot of people appreciate her work and i appreciate her work as well but mm -hmm. i felt that just looking at introversion was a little limited in the sense mm -hmm. that as you said, there are power dynamics in a meeting and yeah. there are people who get heard more than others. And so yeah. there are people who feel like they're quietly disempowered in yeah. that context. And there's also yeah. people who are um, uh, of, from a minority group, whether it's, you know, the only woman in a, in a, a room full of men or a person of colour, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And so... Yeah it is harder for them to voice things yeah. and it's also harder for them to be heard. So yeah. I guess the question I had was regardless of personality, yeah. that can happen. Yeah. Add personality on top and, and it's yeah. actually not just about introversion. It sort of multiplies yeah. the challenge Yeah. because um, there are some people who are not so introverted but actually uh, what we in psychology they talk about neuroticism but it's more about how emotionally intensely do you feel on the yeah. inside so if you get anxious really easily of course you're going to be anxious about speaking up too so yeah an extrovert can be like that too yeah yeah mm. yeah no that's that's very interesting um um in fact the some of the the people that I alluded to um I would say certainly on a one-to-one -one with me Mm. um we're not you know kind of demure quiet wallflower mm. type mm. people at all they were they were very confident people in in their mm. um you know kind of interactions with me now obviously mm. that was just on a one-to-one -one as opposed to on a slightly more overwhelming stage of a committee of of 20 people maybe mm. um but it you know it surprised me because certainly one of them was um, a hand surgeon um and a, a, a man of color a very kind of um yeah almost, i'd say extrovert actually um in mm. in a kind of amateur appraisal um mm. and and it's like yeah this is yeah there's it 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 seems to me quite clear that it's the the ethnic background within mm. these um committees that is kind of dictating who is sort of getting mm. the most say and getting the most mm -hmm. airtime if you like mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so yeah that's that's interesting and then and then um there's a a, a a woman who was one of my my mentors who and one of my very early guests on the show called dr una who mm -hmm. um I, now let me get this the right way around i think she describes herself as an extroverted introvert <laughs> um <Okay>. so <laughs> not an introverted extrovert but she she's she yeah. definitely uh you know is um you know, you know talks about being an, an introvert and that she has um kind of really worked on that to yeah. build up her confidence and now you know she has a a, a platform that reaches thousands and thousands of people you know and she's yeah. showing up the whole time on social media yeah. doing videos and things 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, interesting. But I mean, she she's a woman of color as well, and I wonder yeah. whether that has, uh, you know, culturally whether that has something to do with yeah, how she yeah. felt of herself as a as an introvert as well. But yeah. this this it's is, I mean, you, yeah, I mean, you know, so much about this cultural conditioning, actually. Mm. Um, you know what you talk about it's not only that they're in a minority but also they may but they might have been brought up not to brag not to not to stand out too much you know I I certainly got brought up with that and and on top of that personally because I moved around a lot uh, between different countries my survival mechanism was to blend in and so you know standing out was a dangerous thing to do yeah 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 no that's that's really so there's so much to this isn't there and um I could talk to you for ages about this. Um, but before I go into the next question, I do just have something that's kind of a, a, a burning thing in my in my mind. Um I I I wonder, you know, the 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 40 plus leaders that you spoke to um mm. and interviewed to to get kind of content um for your book. And they were all uh, as you as you described, kind of humble, um, quietly powerful people, uh, you know, kind of understated but they were all in leadership positions yeah. and I wonder then how they got into their leadership positions mm. um were they kind of um you know lifted uh by less quiet people who were sympathetic towards quiet people who who noticed the potential in them even though they were quiet mm. or mm. were there other quiet people at the top who kind of help their ascension and help promote them and if so how did how did these the quieter people get to the top can can you mm. expand on that a bit for me mm-hmm. yeah it's a really great question because um a lot of people that I speak with ask that question to say well how did mm. they get noticed in the first place yeah and um and I think it does come to those leaders who are observant enough to yeah. notice how capable and competent they are and they are, they, they have a lot of substance. And when they speak, they say some amazing things and um, question, they ask questions that other people haven't thought of. So they have a lot of impact. So it's mm. that quality over quantity. And yeah. so leaders who notice that, whether they're naturally quieter or not, they will uh, put them under their wings and they will nurture them, develop them and so on. So mm. what's interesting for me uh, as I was interviewing them so many of them said, I never saw myself as a leader. Mm-hmm. So they said, I didn't see myself as a leader. I never really strived to become a leader. And, you know, they they weren't really aiming to be in a, a, in a, a place of power or control or mm. they certainly didn't want attention. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so the only reason why they stepped into leadership positions was because they felt they could contribute something great to greater than themselves. So there yes. was a purpose behind their, their stepping in. And to yeah. me, that's a key for leadership in general. Yeah. You know, people who are focused on stepping into leadership for a purpose, for a cause, as yeah. opposed to people who step into leadership for themselves, yes. there's a big difference. <laughs> and, yeah. and yeah. you know, you work on kind leadership. Leaders are kind when they they are there for the right reasons or for a yeah. reason for the collective, if you like. Yeah. And, you know, they don't they don't really go into it for, for their own self-interest. Yeah. So to me, that's why I think one of the reasons why I think it's so important that we have more of these leaders 
yeah. because they jump into leadership because they think they can contribute something. Yeah, yeah, mm. that's 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 a great point. Um, um, really like that. Thank you. Um, yeah, it just it, it it's uh, sorry to refer to uh, one of my earlier guests again, but it just it, it's what you're saying is kind of triggering lots of things in my mind, and it just reminded me that uh, with Dr. Una, although she classed herself as an introvert, she felt she mm. had to become more extroverted because her purpose was to empower I think it's her purpose is to empower like a million physicians or something like that within a certain Mm -hmm. period of time to realize that they are um they they're not just physicians that there's more to them they're not just one trick ponies as she calls them um and that they can do other things uh, if they're not happy with their you know the clinical Mm. roles they can diversify and so on but so many doctors don't don't think in that way um Mm. and she just had you know this burning desire this passion that she had to let the medical world know that they you know were able to do other things and to Mm. empower them in that way and that's what Mm. made um her kind of overcome her introversion um so that's that's really interesting so that you talk about um you know the quiet leaders who uh, really have um, a very altruistic, selfless, um, you know, purpose that mm. is to serve, to serve their team mm. and to serve their organization to to get mm. these great outcomes. Yeah, um, so, yeah, thank you so much. That's that's really interesting. Mm. Um, so back back to you sorry to <laughs> to digress multiple times but Lucy just talking to you I'm just I'm just buzzing from all the all of the things I could talk about um what I obviously you you know you you are uh I think you embody uh quiet power um but could you just elaborate a, um a wee bit more on what your personal leadership style is please oh um I I would say I don't think I embodied that quiet power until oh, recently. apologies <laughs> and, and and it sort of waxes and wanes as well. I don't want to pigeonhole you <laughs> yeah. uh, but I also sort of wax and wane in terms of um you know feeling confident and powerful in myself versus sometimes I don't yeah. so um but uh yes yeah, so I, I definitely tend to be quieter I tend to listen a bit more and mm. uh, but then again I can also be quite um vocal sometimes if I really believe in something yeah so yeah I have a bit of a blend actually yeah um but what I have to, uh, the other thing too being a little quieter too and, and related to that is I can be quite independent in my mm. way of being and and doing things and thinking yeah. about things so because I like yeah. to think about things yeah. um so I, I really have to watch myself if I go into that mode too much that I might not be working with other people enough Right. I might not be testing my ideas enough. So, I, you know, I have a lot of strengths in, in being independent, but then I also have to be yeah. careful that that doesn't go too far. So, um, but I think I'm also finding that being independent, something mm. I also have to watch is I, I have a little team, um, you know, virtual mm. team around me, and mm. uh, just to make sure that I don't assume that they know what I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> that's you know when you're delegating and things like that assuming that they'll think of what I'm thinking is a, a big danger so I have to really be much more communicative and um, explain what yeah. I'm thinking yeah yeah 
yeah thank you for that so so uh you know you it sounds like you um you really relish that time um that you give yourself to mm. reflect um and and think think deeply about things um and you know i suppose you know that uh, you know with a, a bit of uh, a bit of introver introversion could make you a bit more introspective i guess at times and maybe as you say yeah. self reliant so uh, independent and um and then maybe say you, you don't know, delegate as, as much as you uh, could do maybe mm. um I'm getting better <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> well that's I, I, you know but 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 equally you know um you are a um an advocate for um inclusion um yeah. so it's m but but you know so you just need to like like all of us like we're all works in progress you know yeah. uh gosh it uh it, it's always a red flag if 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 someone says to me they're they're the finished article or they're you know yeah. they've kind of that's you know it, it's like I'm constantly you know letting myself down and then forgiving myself and yeah. you know picking myself up and and starting yeah, again sure. so um so yeah like we we just uh we we definitely need to be be kind to ourselves and uh it's uh it, you know you talked before about you know kind of like the uh um you know wearing the um you know the red the red jacket you said red jacket and the high heels yeah. or whatever is it's yeah. e exhausting but but trying to um and again apologies for this but I guess trying to um be and embody you know the kind of ex you know excellent style of 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 quiet power uh as as your book talks about um to be like that all of the time I guess would be exhausting to just to constantly be you know watching yourself and second guessing yourself am I being good enough yeah. in this area yeah. am I being you know um you just we just have to I mean, what I'm getting really is that you are just authentic. You know, you you are your authentic self, and and that is, um, that's so important, isn't it? You know, yeah. um, I, I think also what I work I work on hard, and I'm getting better at is just being present, and yeah. not let those little voices saying, "What are you doing? <laughs> did you just, <laughs> what What did you just say? Why did you say that for? You know, those little voices yeah. in the head, if they yeah. get in the way." you're not present and to me what the quietly powerful leaders demonstrate a lot is that presence and I do think that that's hugely powerful even before they even yeah. speak yeah and you, I'm sure you've come across people like that who just walk yeah. into a room and they just have this presence yeah and yeah. you feel it uh, and you when you interact with them you feel it and yeah. it's uh very connecting it's uh it's the way they build trust and yeah. uh, I think we're in this busy world. I think we're missing that too, that yeah. people aren't as present anymore with each other. Yeah. And, and I think if we can build more of that, I think that will be a better world and, uh, you know, yeah. we'll have kinder leaders as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, my advice for people who want that is to um, start a podcast. Uh, <laughs> because it's so, it's so wonderful to kind of... Uh, have this time that's uninterrupted you know my phone is on do not disturb yeah, yeah. um I'm just getting to listen to you and talk to you uh, as I do with all my guests and uh, for me this is really protected kind of um okay. you know mindful time really you know mm, I'm really con mm. concentrating and, and it, yeah so um there are lots lots of things you can do um that may appear quite active like hosting a show but actually um mm. are a way of just 
closing down the rest of the noise yeah. <laughs> just for just yeah. for a short time just for an hour or so yeah. it's wonderful yeah. um thank you for that so um so I remember earlier on in the conversation you said that mm -hmm. you were you were kind of um cho chosen to go into uh leadership um mm -hmm. you were kind of um and you were you were quite you were quite surprised I think you you said you know it's like oh why me you know but I'm I'm, I'm yeah. grateful but uh but why so um was that the the sort of that was at the start of you um going into more formal leadership roles and 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 were there any people that you would kind of credit for kind of um seeing your potential and and, and bringing you into that um arena mm -hmm. um and and kind of helping you helping you rise and you know ultimately getting you yeah. to, to to this conversation that we're having now um, whether they were male or female, but but were the yeah. were the people that you would say kind of helped you initially? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So that whole piece around, um, I was surprised that they they picked me. It was mm. um, not so much getting into a leadership position, but it was joining the team that was working on leadership culture and the culture change um, and and all of that. Um, okay. But it is it is I guess a leadership position to become a facilitator and so on. And yeah. I was surprised because I there were many other applicants and they had more experience in HR or facilitation or coaching or whatever. Mm. Um, I, all my background was in strategy, economics and finance. And so it was a very different context that mm. I came from. Um, but I, you know, I spoke to the people who chose me and they did say something about the the presence that I brought and I've mm. often been told I have a calming presence so so mm. there's probably that um but also it, it must have come across that I I felt really strongly about the work yeah that I really wanted to do it I was passionate about it even though I didn't really know enough about it but I just yeah. really wanted to do it so so it wasn't like a job for me it was like this is my calling I really need to do yeah. this yeah, yeah so I think that helped yeah. And in terms of people who helped me on the journey to becoming better as a leader and facilitator and coach, mm. were there were many, but mm. the first person who really helped was the the teacher for the facilitation team, and yeah. she, her name is Geeta Bellin. She's in her eighties now, mm. <laughs> but she was, I think she must have been in the sixties back then, and mm. uh, she was an incredible uh, leader of just bringing out the best in people in terms of really picking out the things that get in the way of being our best and she yeah. had this knack of working out what that was and there were many there were lots mm. of conditioning for me the way that I was brought up there was a lot of um, some situations I've been in in the past where really got me to shut down and and not be my authentic self so mm. there were lots of things that I had to develop in myself to grow more comfortable in myself so, yeah. so that was probably a huge part of uh, where I am now. Mm. Um, there were a few other teachers along the way as well, but the, that's Gita was probably the first person that really kicked off that, that process. Yeah. So I, I had no idea. I just got, I just grew up being conditioned to who I was, and I thought yeah. that was normal. And of course, it was yeah. normal at the time, but it just woke me up. It just said, "There's yeah. so much." So. She said that um, oh, she identified obstacles within yourself that were in that were in your way, like she did with so many other people. Is that right? 
yeah yeah so it's really obstacles to from being your best and yeah and showing up and yeah you know, i i uh, i still remember in the type of facilitation we had to do we really had to be authentic otherwise yeah. work would not work and yeah. uh doing so there were many many moments where we were practicing and she'd tell me mm. oh you're just pretending again and <laughs> it was so difficult yeah. <laughs> because I grew up having to to pretend and you know fit in yeah. and, and fitting in was a big thing so yeah yeah it was really really challenging but it was so yeah. valuable yeah what a great what a great skill uh to have to you know I to be able to identify things that are sort of holding people back from being their yeah. authentic yeah. selves and, and actually um you know hold a mirror up to them but in a very a kind way I'm I'm guessing and just say you know this is uh or maybe not I don't know maybe she was it, it didn't feel that kind at the time <laughs> no well you know you, you're feeling like your whole personality is being challenged or something I yeah. guess aren't you? it's like oh my gosh um yeah, yeah it but, was a, it, it was a bit intense yeah. at times yeah. and it didn't feel kind at the time but looking back it was like the best yeah. thing so yeah, yeah yeah that's it because she she sounds like she it, it facilitated so many people being able to mm. morph into their authentic selves yeah. Yeah. um and then obviously be the best um you know culture change trainers that that they could be um yeah. that's wonderful what a legacy i mean you mm. know how many people she must have trained that um yeah. have got, you know have now gone off into the to the world and they're doing things like yeah. you're doing um yeah, yeah and actually no. i'm just thinking about the the link with people who go into leadership positions and um, do, do you um, listen to or read any of Tim Clark's work on psychological no, no. safety? So Tim Clark, who's written the four stages of psychological safety, I, I listened to quite a lot of his stuff. I recently mm. listened to a few podcasts of his and um, he spoke about the importance of leaders getting more comfortable in themselves and really work on their leading themselves mm. before stepping into leadership positions because what yeah. can happen is that leaders step into leadership positions without having worked on themselves and they carry all the I don't know baggage yeah <laughs> of yeah, yeah. Um, insecurities and fears and anxieties and things childhood trauma and, yeah which actually stops them from being the best leader that they can be yeah. because it plays out if they're anxious that they might micromanage if they're fearful of losing their role they might try and get really uh, create more fear in the team to try and push yeah. them to get things done and so there's yeah. a lot of things that get in the way and so Tim Clark actually said one of the things that uh, that really is needed into in stepping into leadership positions mm -hmm. is that work on self and being able to lead oneself yeah um, so, yeah so that I think yeah. to me that was the big thing that I was gifted um, yeah. very early on in my career that allowed me to facilitate but also that's very much linked to um, if you're going into leadership positions in yeah. a formal sense mm. thank you so much for sharing that yeah I'll, I'll be sure to um to look at, at Tim's work um mm. and it's very much in alignment like the self-leadership is one of my kind of pillars yeah. if you like of um yeah of kind leadership and 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 so much so much about self um mm. you know obviously there's this sort of you know 
self-regulation side but self-care self-kindness mm. self-compassion mm. self-forgiveness mm. um all of these these things are so important to um to work on and you know some people argue that well you know unless you're a a competent or even very good self-leader you know how can you even begin to think mm. about leading other people because you know exactly. you're not being you're not doing it authentically if you're not yeah um so yeah no that's that's great thank you um that's a great resource that um hopefully the um audience will um mm. look to as well um and something um that kind of jumped out um for me when you were talking about you know how you you know you found the 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 passion that you um were able to uh, communicate to the mm. the people who were selecting mm. for the role of of, tra of trainer in this culture change um positions that you had um you know it see it seems to have kind of almost hit you like a bus like i think you mm. said earlier on that you were a bit cynical at the mm. start of that of the three mm -hmm. days of that training yeah but by the end of the three days you were like you know um uh you know it sounds like you'd you'd see the light you know it's yeah. like I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna preach the gospel of this stuff you know this is um you know this stuff it was like you had an epiphany um and found your passion um yeah. within within such a short space of time and I, <clears throat> I find that really really interesting um you know I, I guess uh it some people are you know struggling to you know find their why or know what their why is um mm. but all you need is to you know for the universe to put you in the right place at the right time and then it's like it hit you like a bolt from the blue mm. um this is what i want to do with the rest of my life sort of thing mm. um yeah, no, and, I, I pinch myself still i think yeah. i'm so lucky that i yeah. was at the right place at the right time for sure yeah yeah, yeah. that's really so yeah i guess the reason for me raising that is uh you know mm. um I um I've been uh looking at the work of uh, Hal Alrod um mm -hmm. who wrote a book called The Miracle Morning um mm -hmm. and he has this uh, system called the Savers system which is uh, an acronym of um six, six letters S A V E R S so the things that you can do in an hour in the morning before the the day starts before the rest of your household is is up mm -hmm. and so on um and he's very almost insistent that uh, you have to have a purpose and uh, it's something that I think about and sort of you know mull over and sort of some, sometimes sort of troubles me you know that there are people you know people out there that might be exposed to his work thinking well I don't I don't have a purpose mm. um so um you know what's 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 the point sort of thing and then and, it, mm. and I just want to reassure people that just because you know you don't have an uh an identifiable purpose at this moment it mm. you, you could easily kind of like go into a, a scenario like you've described and then mm. your purpose can just become apparent mm. to you um yeah so yeah yeah well, the other thing i would say too is i i know what it was like to kind of aimlessly doing what i thought was the right thing to do so yeah. that was my yeah. earlier career and um something that seemed to have worked for me is to recognize that maybe um, I'm not quite aligned with what I would like to do or you know my purpose mm. or whatever that mm. I, I should be doing and 
if I notice that, then just start trying things that that you you enjoy or you feel flow in. Mm-hmm. And so quite in those early days in my career, I, I, there was a point where I was quite desperate to find something that I love to do because I was a mm-hmm. bit miserable. And I just started doing some things I used to love as a kid, which was drawing and painting and things mm. like that. So I just started playing around with that. Mm. And I I know it's a sort of a, a woo-woo thing, but I think that opened up the possibility of finding something that I could be passionate about. So mm. just tinkering with things that I really loved and enjoyed and found yeah. flowing. Uh, would be yeah. my suggestion if anybody's feeling like they're they're a bit lost. Yeah, mm. yeah. Because yeah. that energy I, of being in flow and enjoying yeah. something, um, yeah. I, that attracts more things that that you can be like that. Mm. Yeah. No, I I I'm completely on board with you. I I, uh, uh, I don't think it's woo at all. And if it is woo, then I'm all for woo things. That's that's um, <laughs> that's that's all good with me. But um, um, so so. You, it sounds like what you described is you were doing something um that kind of you really enjoyed and you were, were you kind of lost in the moment you were you because you were in flow you were just mm. and was it like a mindful activity and did it mm. did it then subsequently give you the bandwidth to think about other things or was it at the I don't time think it was you a were thinking or, thing actually it wasn't <laughs> so uh, like how did how did how did that activity then relate to you being able to work out what your your purpose was was it while you were doing it yeah. that it came to no, you or? no I yeah. I think that's where the where the the woo-woo bit comes in yeah. <laughs> it wasn't an intellectual thing it was yeah. just that I, I the way that I feel it worked was that I I energetically I was more yeah. in more in touch with what I enjoy yeah, and yeah. that led me to spotting opportunities that is more yeah. like that, and you kind of weave your way towards it, yeah. and then you know you just find something. So I don't yeah. think it was as rational as yeah. as I'm doing something. I think oh that's no, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Sorry, that's the that's the medical scientist in me, I suppose, trying to rationalise <laughs> it. Um, no, I'm a I'm a big I'm a big believer in uh in you know energy um you know kind of transference and, and creation and and, and yeah. co-creation and and so actually i i hear what you're saying um so thank you for that um you talked um a bit about your childhood and moving moving around a lot and um you know wanting to just blend into the background um and not not be noticed because you know I don't know you 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 tell me but it's like you didn't want to draw attention to yourself because yeah. what did you feel like as the 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 new kid and the itinerant kids that you were going to be picked on or something like that what was the yeah was the well I had an that? experience of being picked on so right I think that, right yeah no okay. quite early on so I would okay. say um, my first experience of that would have been a year grade one or something mm. I was um uh, I would have been quite new in Australia. I was born in Australia, but went to Japan and then back again. Okay. And so when we came back, uh, I went to a public school in Sydney and mm. made a few friends, but there are a few others. You know, this is, <laughs> I show my age by saying this, but this is in the uh, 70s. <laughs> mm. um, so, you know, 
white Australia policy was still lingering in the background. So yeah, I was yeah. probably quite unusual in that in that school, in a public school. Mm. Um, and something I wrote about in the book, actually, and I, I'd sort of chuckle about it now, but it was painful at the time, was mm. uh, I would take a Japanese lunch, like a little rice ball with um, seaweed on it. Mm. And now people would love it because you know, everybody loves sushi. But back yeah. then... I just remember one of these boys came over and said, hey, what's that thing, you know, black paper mm. and whatever, and, you know, so I got picked mm. up for that. So I went home and told my mum, can I have sandwiches now? Yeah. Um, even though I love my rice balls and I still do. Yeah. So, you know, that sort of thing. So standing yeah. out yeah. in any yeah. sort of way was dangerous. Yeah. So I yeah. learned that very early on. And so blending in was my survival strategy. And so okay. I lived in Japan um, even then. Because I lived in Australia for a while, I did things a little bit differently. So I got oh, picked gosh. on over there. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, so, you know, so again, I had to blend in and try and be like everybody else. Yeah. Um, and then I went to, uh, when should I go? I went to Canada for a period of yeah. time as well. And, uh, yeah, just blending in was my strategy. So, yeah. yeah, it was yeah. just the whole life of trying to blend in so I don't get yeah. picked on uh, for sure. Yeah. And then, and then in, in the workplace, it kind of continued for a while. Um, luckily, in the consulting world, it was okay that it was a global mm. company, so I felt very okay. secure and safe in that company. But what was interesting was when I went out to clients. Okay. I, I felt I can't prove it, but I felt there was a bit of discrimination in some way, shape, or form um, right. in a in a few clients. So okay. Yeah, I, I just remember one um, that popped into my mind is one client who, uh, one client person who mm. told my client manager, uh, sorry, the, the consulting manager that mm. she didn't want to work with me. And everybody else were, was quite happy to work with me. So mm. I didn't quite work out what that was. I can't prove it, but, you know, you just yeah. don't know. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm sorry, sorry to hear that. Um so it was this is interesting and i've not really i've not really come across this before although although in in medicine there are mm. lots and lots of examples of oh, um, sure. pa patients being uh, you know racially discriminating against yeah. um doctors of color international medical graduates yeah. you know um on all sorts of grounds um so you know but but uh, i've not really heard anyone who kind of works in the non medical you know kind of corporate sector talk mm -hmm. about their their clients being mm -hmm. a cause of of those sorts of problems before so that's that's really yeah. interesting to me so mm. actually you were um you were su supported through through your all all of your work roles did you feel um that you were in included and and not not kind of discriminated against from from when you graduated and went went to work in you know the the economics and finance side of things yeah. you were it was they were happy happy work times were they uh mixture um so yeah. that particular example that i gave you i felt really supported by the consulting manager he yeah. he just said that's ridiculous <laughs> so yeah, he was yeah. very supportive and and so yeah. on with the firm that i was working with i felt very supported on that front yeah. I still burnt out because of the work itself. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, if I think about some of the more recent examples, though, uh, even as an independent consultant, 
I can't, mm. again, I can't prove it, but I do wonder sometimes whether I get a project because I don't get a project because of um, my my uh, background or whatever. Mm. Um, but there's one, again, instance where uh, as an independent consultant, I was working with a colleague who was an American white man mm. and we were co-facilitating and working with an executive team mm. and we were we I, I was actually the designer of the program but he was co-facilitating with me and the head of the executive team that we were working with when we started to work on uh, started this workshop this mm. head of the um this leadership team only spoke to my colleague for about the first five minutes mm. And so, mm. you know, those sort of things happen. But yeah, luckily yeah. I had warned my colleague that that's happened before, so it could happen. Yeah. <laughs> and and yeah. my colleague said, surely, surely that doesn't happen anymore. And it happened yes. in front of his eyes. So so he was very supportive in bringing me in and everything else. So I think if when yeah. people are aware, they, you know, they, they do support. So it's not yeah. ill-intended. Um, yeah. And I'm sure this client person, that was not in, ill-intended either. So Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I'm okay with those sort of instances because I know mm. it's not intended. Um, yeah. And also I, I've worked with and coached clients who have had those sort of experiences and mm. I often say to them, you know, it's actually not about you, it's actually about them. Yeah. <laughs> their, yeah. Their, their ignorance or their lack of awareness or yeah. their fear of difference and things like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So, if you come yeah. from that place and have some compassion for them, then I think I or I find I get over it a lot easier. Yeah, mm. yeah. yeah, no, that's um that's really interesting. And and um it just kind of uh re- reminding me of you know some of the um you know that sounds like it's uh incidents of casual racism, mm. um, microaggressions on the grounds of your gender. I mean, mm. this this happens in in medicine um, mm. with um, you know more frequency than uh, I would <laughs> you know they would like. I mean, yeah. the fact that it happens at all is is unacceptable. But and it, and again, it's often from patients the assumption mm. that the the female doctor in front of them, um, mm. even though they've got a stethoscope around their neck and and a, mm. a, a, a badge that says doctor so and so or whatever, the yeah. assumption that they're they're a nurse yeah you know um and and things like that and you know my 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 wife is a is a woman of color and she's a consultant surgeon um and you know she'll have sometimes patients say to her so uh you know where's where's my surgeon then Mm. and my wife be like i i am your surgeon yeah (laughs) you know you saw me in the clinic it's my name above your bed yeah yeah Yeah. you're under my care i will be i will be performing your operation and they're like oh You know, and you know, it's like, yeah. well, is it because she's a, a woman? Is it because she's a person of color? You know, and she's, uh, yeah. So it's um, it's it's unacceptable. But it sounds like you're, you know, you are very um, well empathic and forgiving of them, and because you, especially if there's no intentionality behind it. I mean, sometimes mm. there obviously is malice behind it, isn't there? But, yeah. um, but but you you feel that if there isn't if there isn't any hard intention there, then it's, mm. you know probably attributed to their ignorance or, or whatever and uh um uh, do, do you so uh, sort of addressing this so when you were when you were a child you blended mm. in mm. 
And I'm guessing that's no longer an option as a grown-up. <laughs> uh, well, especially if you, you can... work for yourself now, yeah. So it's where, that's right. Where you don't blend into the background because you you are your company, if you like. Yes, that's um, right. So, so you're I kind, kind of exposed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. You need to be the opposite, right? So, yeah. <laughs> um, so on on that on that point, then, um, you know, you talked about uh, well that when you when you were employed you talked about that client and your manager was very supportive of you um mm. and you know you uh you kind of dealt with it by having their support and their kind of uh their care um but you know situations like the one you described where um you know they the client spoke to the the white man mm. rather than mm. you even though you were running the show mm. um and again, that, you know, <laughs> my uh, patients will sometimes speak to my wife's junior doctors because yeah. they're men and uh, yeah. talk like she's she's asking them questions and they will they will answer to the man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so so how do you now um, kind of move, you know, move past these things other than obviously going to a place of, of forgiveness and, and understanding? But but how do you? how do you process it i guess i'm 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 looking for your spin on on this so that mm. the audience can kind of learn from if they have similar face similar situations to you mm-hmm. maybe they can employ a, a tactic that you use or something mm-hmm. i think surrounding yourself with supporters is very helpful yeah. so as an independent business owner um you know i i work with colleagues and that helps or yeah. i build good relationships with certain client members and they can be of support as well. So I yeah. think um, relationship building becomes really important. Okay. So, yeah, so I have a couple of colleagues I work with. For example, one is a white man and he's very social justice oriented. And so mm. he'll he'll jump in straight away to address anything like that. Um, so having people like that around me definitely helps. Yeah. Um, but then also I think I've got to uh, an age <laughs> I think age helps. <laughs> it's like, oh well, <laughs> it happens, and um, yeah. you know, it's not—it's not the individuals. Again, back to you know, if it's not intentional, it's really not the individuals' fault. It's just the system that we work in and live yeah. in that yeah. you know we're just we're just um we're just in the water and we don't see the water. It's like you know the yeah. fish that doesn't know the water. So so yeah. can't really blame the individuals. Yeah. Uh, sort of societal conditioning and and so on yeah, um, yeah. yeah. so yeah. I think you're 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 um you're describing having um good allies then mm-hmm. um and um you know people who will um n- not be uh you know kind of passive supporters mm-hmm. um you know it's all very well kind of having someone after the event um ask you how you are and so on but actually yeah. it's it's much more powerful to have an ally who uh stands up you know speaks up calls mm. stuff out isn't it at mm. the time to mm. make the um perpetrator think mm. um and maybe they'll maybe they'll change maybe they won't change but you know yeah. at least yeah 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 and i suppose if you want to be proactive just just to prepare those allies yeah. as well, like the the second example that I gave, yeah. where yeah. I warned my colleague that it's happened before and it might yeah. happen, so he was yeah. ready for it. 
exactly what to do with it <laughs> yeah yeah wonderful the, the ammunition was was loaded into the into the pistol absolutely <laughs> and, and, and we still talk fine. about it it's like i can't believe it actually happened yeah 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 that was yeah. a a bit of a coincidence wasn't it but uh yeah, yeah that's it for forewarned is forearmed and all of that so um yeah no thank you for that well that's um that's really really good advice um um around navigating those uh, sorts of challenges have you got any other advice for the listeners on how to become what i what i think you are i think um you're a strong and a kind leader and uh you know i love i love the fact that you you know uh, maybe not the um the pinnacle of the quiet quietly powerful leader that you uh, that you write about because we're all we're all kind of like uh trying to trying to get there um but you know you are um you know a lot of my guests are um they're definitely i wouldn't say any of them are that are the alpha leaders that you that you mentioned before um but perhaps they are uh, you know some of them are more um confident um but i i love the fact that you are you are quietly strong and kind and and you know how how can we can we kind of work towards achieving that ourselves mm-hmm. yeah so um, I think that sort of goes into the what I noticed of the quietly powerful leaders that I interviewed. Yeah. And uh, I write this in the book actually about the three attributes that I thought really stood out and something that I aspire to, to grow and develop. Mm. And I've touched on it throughout our conversation actually. It's just really interesting. Um, the first attribute that I talk about is just being comfortable in yourself. Yeah. And I actually use the word comfortable, not confident, because confidence has the connotation of that appearance of confidence, which is often associated with being outspoken and things like that. So it's not that. It's just simply being comfortable in your own skin, being okay that you have strengths and weaknesses, being okay with um, saying that you don't know something, being okay to ask for help, those sorts of things. So that's just being comfortable in your own skin. And I think that's a key to being authentic because then you've got nothing much to hide. And yeah. uh, that's, that's something that I noticed of the, the interviewees, that they would often talk about the things that they struggled with and how they got help and things like that and, and mm. in a very authentic way. So that's number yeah. one. Yeah. The, the second thing which we talked about quite early on was about presence. So the key attribute that I saw of these leaders is that not only in the interviews, we, you know, I certainly picked up that they were present, yeah. but also the way they described how they build trust with people, they build relationships with people, is they often talk about how deep the relationships are or long-lasting the relationships are. And I, mm. I took that as whenever they're in touch with somebody, interacting with somebody, that they're just there for them. Yeah. And that's what builds trust. That's what builds that strong relationship. And a number of them spoke about the the importance of listening. And of course, listening doesn't happen without presence. Yeah. So I think all of that combined is uh, a really key attribute about being present. Yeah. And the third attribute, again, we talked about earlier was p- being purposeful. Um, and even if it's not like your life purpose or anything like that, just having a sense of this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. And uh, I guess focusing on that rather than self. So even mm. if it's like a simple presentation to a group, 
if you're focused more on being a service to the group that's in front of you rather than how what impression am I making, mm. that's being purposeful, being mm. of service to the, the group. And that makes a huge difference in terms of the impact you have, the way in which you communicate and how you might work with other people. And so that sense of purpose or um, purposefulness in in what you do. Um, and what the leaders often spoke about, like I said, you know, they didn't think of themselves as a leader. They stepped into leadership because there was a, a something to contribute. Yeah. That also allows them to be okay with not being the centre of attention because it's mm. not about them. You know, it's mm. it's actually about whatever they're trying to achieve. And so they'll bring in experts. They'll bring in people who are smarter than them. It's mm. not about them. And to me, that's a really powerful way to lead because it's more about facilitating a group of people to achieve an outcome and yeah. uh, they don't make it about themselves. Yeah. So I that feel is... like if we if we all grew into those three attributes, I think mm, we can all mm. do a bit better in, in different ways as a leader. Yeah. I absolutely love that. That's, that's fan fantastic advice. Um, really appreciate that. Thanks. Thanks, Maggie. I'm just going to um summarize that uh just so that um because i think it's really really impactful um i don't want the audience to kind of um not 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 hear it multiple times <laughs> it's so good um so firstly being being comfortable in your skin which enables the your authentic self to to be uh to be present uh so to be leading as your as your authentic self um secondly to we I just said present be be present um and that kind of um enables the the trust building and you know listening is so important so you can't really listen and and kind of develop that trust without being present so um and the third one was being being purposeful and being of service and and kind of looking to um the you know the end goal the outcomes or whatever uh for your team and for the organization uh rather than what you can get out of it it's not about you um and that kind of keeps you keeps you focused and keeps you um keeps you being of service um within that purpose so that that is that's tremendous thank you so much for that um well i've 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 uh i've got so much so much wisdom from you um do you uh, i'm sure you have something left <laughs> for some <laughs> take home take home leadership messages or message for for the listeners um yeah what, what would you like to share um i think uh, what i would encourage people to do is to start spotting these quietly powerful leaders around them because they mm. actually exist it's just yeah. that we don't notice them because they don't go and show off how wonderful they are. Yeah. Um, but if you look for them, they do exist and actually we need more of them. And for organisations, I really hope that they can start to spot them more, the, the future potential quietly powerful leaders, and develop them in the right way so that it nurtures that quiet strength rather than trying to fix them because that's what often seems to happen with leadership development where they get told you're not you're not outspoken enough or you don't speak up yeah. enough you don't you're not confident enough you know those sorts of things and it's really unhelpful yeah. because yeah. it makes them feel less confident even more 
and yeah. really doesn't help rather than um, instead it would be really much more helpful if you can really appreciate the quieter strengths that they bring and then add yeah. things on top rather than trying to fix them yeah so so for for individuals you know to to appreciate their quieter side even as an yeah. extrovert too because yeah. you know there's a lot of value that comes with that stillness or quiet or calm or things like that you know we often talk about I want some peace and quiet so yeah, you know we yeah. actually do appreciate it we just don't translate that into our everyday and leadership and things like that so yeah I, I would encourage people to really start to notice how valuable that quieter yeah. side can be yeah yeah I love that I love it again again you've got you've got the cogs whirring inside my head um so I'm just gonna just gonna recap so basically look uh you know look for that quieter side within yourself um start looking for um quietly powerful leaders around you and for organizations to nurture um uh quieter people because they have huge amounts to offer and I think this thing about fixing them is you know if if, if any god if anyone if, if you come across this do people actually think that you've got a problem that they need to fix because you're not loud enough or something is that Absolutely. That's, I, I, mean, I had a coaching client. I had yeah. a coaching client who called me asking for a coaching session. Mm. And the first thing she said to me is, Oh, Megumi, I've got so many things I need to fix about myself. Oh. And I said to her, That's the first thing to fix that you believe that you have to fix yourself. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Yeah. Totally and that's agree with because that. Because of all the societal expectations and this message that says to people being quiet is inferior yeah yeah you know, there's little yeah. subtle messages about mm. you know oh i've read articles like saying things like oh you know so and so was successful despite being an introvert or despite being quiet oh it's like gosh a little put down <laughs> yeah yeah that I mean, that's just that's just so offensive. <laughs> just I mean, <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, there's again, this could this could be a you know a rabbit hole that we could we could go down and explore, and, and we we don't have the time. Um, maybe we need a an, another another interview, but um, there are so many reasons why people are quieter than other people. So so many, and uh, from a medical perspective, I can think of things you know like. Um, you know, neuroatypicality, neurodivergence, mm -hmm. and, and and things like that. And for mm -hmm. you know, for someone who is actually, um, you know, on the on the autistic spectrum, um, mm -hmm. or someone you know on the on the ADHD spectrum, or, or whatever, to, mm -hmm. to to be told, you know, that you need to be fixed. I mean, mm -hmm. that just blows my mind in a really bad way. Mm -hmm. um, so that you know. Um, it's you know i i um know quite a few um medical doctors um with you know who are uh, neuroatypical and mm -hmm. um um they they em embrace that they mm -hmm. you know they have they've often come to that diagnosis in their adult life um and they're like you know reflect and think that explains so much about why i was the kind of student i was why i was the kind of junior doctor i was and um you know now they're fantastically they're like it's my superpower you know yeah. and they really lean into it and really embrace it yeah. you know and uh that's what we, we should be we should be looking for that uh anything within someone's um character or personality that um 
you know they've got that we can nurture as you said to um make them a better a better leader and and um you know enable them to contribute more um yeah. i mean um because actually it may that the the, the quietness it may just be your superpower mm. um, um and they can be if you recognize it as that and find yeah. a way to use it yeah and and of course at times there will be things you know, you might have to adapt but that's not mm. fixing that's just adding mm. things on top yeah so that's yeah. how i try Development. to describe it yeah. like you you know use what you've got and then sometimes add things on top yeah so yeah it's not really changing yeah yourself. i love that i love that and also just want to say as well just i just want to normalize um that i you know i think people kind of you know who are listening in um and you know people who who see our work you know we go on social media and we we do talks and you know people looking at us thinking you know well we're maybe we are uh, you know comfortable maybe it's we're comfortable in our skin maybe it's that we're we're confident you know for for want of a better word um maybe we have you know some ex- extrovert qualities to enable us to do this kind of stuff and and i, I just want to say and, and if you want to um add, add anything to this as well that there are days where uh i am not like this i don't mm. i don't i don't want to talk to anyone mm. um i don't I have to show up. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a father. I still have to, you know, <laughs> show up for certain things. Mm-hmm. But yesterday I, I, I didn't, I didn't have much going on and I didn't, I didn't want to have anything going on, yeah, you know, yeah. and I just wanted to um, be alone and be quiet and uh, not speak to anyone, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, um, so I, I certainly, I think I, I don't know. I don't think I am at a certain point on the sort of introvert extrovert yeah, scale. Yeah. You know, I think some days I'm quite introverted, and some days, thankfully, today I'm in quite a chatty um, <laughs> social mood. <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and so I don't know that for me that's normal. I, 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 yeah. I, I, I can't. People always want to kind of you know put labels on you, don't they? And you know, some yeah, of these right. sort of personality tests and personality inventories and things like that kind of yeah. say that well maybe i'm you know uh not not an i type or an e type you know according yeah, to myers briggs mm. maybe i'm mm. some days i'm or some hours i'm an i type mm. and some hours i'm an e type you know mm-hmm. um what do you yeah. think about that yeah no absolutely and and that's why i say to people that to to value that quieter side of yourself regardless of whether you're an introvert or an extrovert yeah. or whatever style yeah. or personality because i think it's um I, I actually think it's unhealthy to be how, like an extrovert behavior all the time, even if you're mm. an extrovert. You need yeah, some peace yeah. and quiet, some reflection time, yeah. some even if it's Recharge. you know, the proportions might be different. Mm. But um, you know, I, I really protect my my me time and mm. really because I, I can't be my best otherwise. Yeah. I can't yeah, yeah, do yeah. things like this if I don't make sure that I have that time. Yeah. Um, so, so that's that's one thing. But the other thing is, um, I mentioned purposefulness as one of the mm. attributes. I mm. find that when there's a purpose or something that I'm passionate about, I can behave in a way that's not necessarily natural to me. Mm. So, public mm. speaking is a good example because I don't mm. particularly like public speaking in front yeah. of hundreds of people, but I mm. do it. Yeah. But I do it because I know that this message is helpful for some people. And I always say to myself, 
whether it's a yeah. podcast or a presentation or even posting on social media, I still cringe sometimes. But yeah. I always say to myself, if it helps one person, it's worth it. Yeah. And so that's yeah. my my purpose driving my behaviour rather yeah. than my natural style being. Yeah. Mm. I love that. Yeah. That's definitely going back to it's not about me. It's yeah. about who could potentially benefit from yeah. my my lived experience and um, yeah. any advice I can give. I, I totally hear you. Um, I've really, really struggled with public speaking um, mm. myself um, mm. at times. And um, I remember it was last summer I was um, giving a, a talk uh, to about just under 300 uh, National mm. Health Service HR mm. um, staff. Um, mm-hmm. about kindness in the workplace oh wow and um it had been it had been a while since I'd done a, a sort of live talk and yeah. just as I was about to get up on the stage my my mouth became so so dry and my tongue oh, no. was literally stuck to the roof I mean people oh, no. say that your your tongue is stuck to the roof of your mouth my tongue was actually stuck to the roof of my mouth and uh I mean I had some water I was kind of tripped tripped actually getting onto the stage as well it was all <laughs> but I, I just yeah once uh yeah once I got up I had some water and just looked looked out onto the the sea of faces and just took a deep breath and just I've got you know as you say you know I've got a message here that might yeah. help some some um hospital workplaces you know kind yeah. of uh embrace a, a kind yeah. of culture um and I just I just had to get on with it and it it, it went it went really well but yeah, yeah. it's yeah, I I agree that uh, there are there are certain things that yeah we just have to um, force ourselves to do because it's not about us, isn't it? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Do you know what? Um, I have you've you've given me so much cause for uh, this. You know, this conversation has given me so much kind of cause for self self reflection. I'm really loving it. I really appreciate you. Oh, this is uh, this is oh, fantastic. No, I really enjoyed it. Um, too. I'm coming coming to the end, so um, I just want to give you the opportunity to to share um, what you're currently excited to be working on, um, so that the listeners can kind of uh, look look all that up and get involved yeah. in that. What, yeah. what would you like to share? Yeah, sure. Um, my thinking's been going in the direction of uh, quietly powerful as yeah, really helping people who uh, may not feel like they have a voice to have a voice. Yeah. But the other side of it is actually about when people do find their voice, somebody's got to listen to it. Mm. And so I've been working with uh, colleagues on this idea called Leaders Who Listen. Ooh, and I yeah. just feel, yeah, I just feel like there's not enough listening, particularly by those in positions of power. And so We've been working on that for a couple of years and and been working with organisations. And so it's bringing one of the quiet superpowers of, well, not one, presence and listening and and all of those things, which are quiet superpowers, into the mainstream leadership. And I'm really excited about that. Love that. So so leaders who listen, is this going to be uh, like workshops for organisations or... Uh, are you writing uh, well, we a book about it our, our team leaders who listen and mm. we do a number of different things yeah. around uh, bringing leaders together to uh not not just focus on listening but actually mm. building an environment where people can speak and be listened to yeah 
Mm. So um, I suppose where we're coming from is, you know, often organisations talk about building a speak-up culture yeah. and there's a lot of talk about psychological safety and things like yeah. that. Yeah. But actually, if leaders don't listen, why bother? <laughs> so you need a listen-up culture, which is the speak-up yeah. culture. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, so that's where listen we're... Culture, yeah. I love that. I um over the over the weekend it was um well suicide prevention awareness okay. day mm-hmm. um and um on on linkedin <clears throat> we were, uh, you know some of us were kind of talking about um you know what we can do to to empower leaders and and give resources to leaders to help um you know stem stem the tide that you know kind of obviously look look out for signs of um um you know unhappiness in their in their team and and whatever but also um what can they do to actually be a bit more a bit more active and uh a discussion that went on that was very much along those lines so i think you really really hit on something you know what what is the what is the point of you know lovingly creating a psychological safe space for someone to talk to you but then not having the active listening skills to be able to <laughs> Uh, for them to be able to take advantage of that psychologically yeah. safe space that you've created yeah. for them, um, yeah. so that sounds very much like what your your work is about. So, yeah. getting people to listen up as well as speak up. I love that leaders who listen. Yeah. Um, so, if people would like to um, reach out to you to uh, hopefully you know um, have a conversation with you about booking you to go and do that you know deliver that training or um people just want to reach out to you um to find out a bit more about um all of your work um what's the best way for them to do so mm. um so i'm pretty active on linkedin as you know so mm-hmm. um i think that's probably the best place to find yeah. me and it's not hard Perfect. to find because there's not too many megumi mickeys on linkedin apparently yeah. <laughs> so yeah. um so you'll find me there and you can message me and, and do whatever you like um that's yeah. a, uh, an easy way to find me um yeah. website wise uh, particularly yeah. people who are interested in quietly powerful there is a quietly powerful website so it's um www.quietlypowerful.com.au yeah. um and you'll find lots of resources free resources videos articles um free chapters of the book you know things like that so that's probably a good place for people who are interested in quietly powerful um yeah so they're probably the two places that's easiest to find me brilliant brilliant and through the website there'll be like a contact form as well i'm guessing yeah excellent okay i should make sure that they are both in the show notes um thank you for that um well so final question now. I just wonder, do you have any closing words that you'd like to share with the listeners at all? Um, I think just to um, appreciate peace and quiet. <laughs> I yeah. think, you yeah. know, we, we, we're we in such a rushed, busy environment that if we yeah. don't find that peace and quiet in ourselves, then we're just going to fall apart. And I'm I'm really concerned about that. And so while Quietly Powerful is about finding your voice and things like that too, but also actually getting in touch with that quieter side, I do feel that's really important. You know, we often talk about human beings, uh, social beings, and we need social interaction. I agree with that, but I also think that human beings need solitude and quiet, peace and quiet. So, yeah, just balancing the two. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah i i completely agree um thank you thank you so much really uh really grateful uh, for you um sharing those thoughts um i think it's an important thing to to say and um and reiterate um yes well thank you again so so much for coming on the show sharing all of your um your wisdom and your wonderful advice um with us megumi so so many uh absolute gems in that interview um i i'm gonna listen to it over over and again i think and just uh learn learn bits i i kind of uh missed the first time um thank you thank you to the audience for for listening to this fantastic interview um and until the next episode in two weeks all that remains is to wish everyone health happiness and inspiring leadership take care thank you so much for joining me and my guest on the inspiring women leaders podcast today i really hope you enjoyed listening to the episode as much as i enjoyed recording it if you did please download the show and leave it a rating and a review so that together we can share the amazing lessons we've learned from my guests with listeners far and wide and help as many aspiring leaders as possible. Most of my podcasts will also be uploaded to my YouTube channel, Dr. Adam, Physician Coach. So please check out my channel there and hopefully you'll find some videos on similar topics to watch and enjoy. Finally, I have some exciting new group coaching programs and a membership scheme in the pipeline. So please keep a regular eye on my website www.dradamharrison.com That's www.dradamharrison.com for updates. Thank you again for your time today and please join me next time, two weeks from now, on Alternate Wednesdays for another brilliant episode of Inspiring Women Leaders.